Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen to today's message from God's Word. of 1st Timothy, 1st Timothy chapter number 4, <clears throat> the book of 1st Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> all right, let's read together and then we'll have prayer then I'll try to preach to us this tonight. We're going to begin reading verse number one thing. We'll just read the entire chapter. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and uh, commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them that be, which believe and know, the, and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren uh, in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nursed up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast ob- obtained but refuse profane and unwise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profit little, but godliness profit. Uh, godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, worthy of all expectation. Uh, for there, uh, for uh, therefore. We both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which, thou, uh, which was given to thee by a prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy prophet may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continuing them. For in doing this thou shalt save, save thy, both save thyself, and them that hear thee. Amen. Father, we bow our hearts before your presence. Come, Lord, humbly tonight to call upon the name of God. Lord, men begin to call upon the name of God many thousands of years ago. And Lord, the Lord Jesus came. And Lord, you was such a pattern of prayer. And God, Lord, many times you steal away from your own disciples and pray and call upon, uh, Lord, your Father, which was in heaven. And Lord, when you went to the cross, you tore down that middle wall of partition that us as children of God, oh sinners saved by the grace of God, that Lord, we could go from this world to where you are tonight 
and, Lord, and be heard in heaven. And I pray, God, tonight that we lift up lost people, friends and neighbors and sinners. May their, may their names be heard, God, on high. God, begging you to save them and redeeming them, Lord, tonight from their sins. Oh, God, tonight. We pray, Lord, that every word we say, God, Lord, be from you. And may we not say anything of our own selves and our flesh. But, Lord, may we say everything, God, you have intended for, uh, to be said here tonight. Lord, we ask you, God, to save those that are lost. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to preach on this thought tonight, making an impact in the world. Making an impact in the world. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that. And uh, in verse number 12 of this chapter, notice what he says. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. The word example is the same word as impact. That's what the word means. It means an impact. It is an it is a, uh, it, it indent in, a, in something that stays there. Amen. And it was put there by force. Back a few years back, I had a new vehicle, and, and, I, and it was a truck, and it was uh, red. It was crimson in color. And I loved, I loved that truck. And, uh, man, when I got it, I was so excited about having that thing. And I parked it one day at Walmart, and, and somebody opened the car do door on that thing and made an impact, <laughs> a dent about that big around, I'm telling you. And every time, I, every time I opened, every time I walked up to that truck and I looked at that door, I seen that impact where somebody had made an impact on that truck. On this hand right here, I've got a scar that when I was uh, in high school, I was always up to mischief. I never was mean, but I was always up to mischievous things, my mother said. And uh, so, uh, the, uh, so the... the uh, the auditorium where, the, where they, they had a big auditorium inside the high school and, and there was no windows in there. And when it was dark, it was pitch dark. Well, the door coming from the outside uh, going in behind the backstages was open. And so me and these boys, we'd get in there and we'd run down the aisles and do all kinds of things. And one day they had a class in there. So I got the right idea that we'd go in there and cut the lights out. <laughs> And, I mean, it was so dark you couldn't even see, the, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. So we did that. Man, we cut them lights out, and out that door we went. And when I went out the door, my finger got caught between the doorknob and the brick wall beside it. And it was just like this, you know. And all of a sudden, there was a big old hunk of flesh sticking up out of there. And, and uh, so I pushed it all back in and got some tape and wrapped that tape around it. And it left a scar right there. It left an impact. When Jesus, when Jesus appeared to Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas, he said this. He said, uh, Thomas, put your finger in the nail prints of my hands and in my side. That word print in that verse is the same word as we find in our text here tonight. Example. And uh, let me explain it to you this way. If you took a nail and you took a nail, you know how you start a nail when you're building a house or you're going to nail something, you can you know, tap, tap, and that nail stays there. You know what I'm talking about? That's what our testimony is. But, uh, but, but our example is the hammer that drives it all the way into that wood. 
We, we can say that we're something, but it's our impact. It's our, it's our actions. It's our life that drives it home. If you think about the people that have impacted your life, if you think about those that have uh, really made a lasting impression in your soul of the Lord, it was people that drove it way home. Could be a Sunday school teacher. I can remember Earl Tucker was a Sunday school teacher when I was just a uh, nine, ten-year-old boy, good man. Remember some of the things that he taught me in there. I remember my mother teaching me. She was the first one that ever told me anything about hell, hell the first time I ever remembered anybody saying anything about it. And uh, there's, the Bible says this about Paul. He said, I bear my marks, uh, he bear my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus. And he talked about where he had been beating. He had scars where he had been beaten and and so forth. I knew two men in my lifetime that bore literal marks in their body of the Lord Jesus. One was a man by the name of Frank Lefford. Had been, he was taken out of a tent preaching in Kentucky, and moonshiners took him out of the tent and beat him to one of his lungs actually collapsed. Another man was a man by the name of Ellis Wooten. Some of y'all in here may know Ellis Wooten. He was Wally Wooten's cousin. And he was beating, well, he was beat up one time for preaching the gospel. And he literally had marks on his back where he had been beaten. Those marks made a lasting imprint into his life. So this text tells us that he's telling young Timothy that he is to make a lasting imprint in the life of these people that is being around. And he uses this word, if you look at it, he says, let no man, verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, the word youth. He was less than 40 years old. In those days, they didn't consider you a man unless you were 40 years old. You're considered a youth, even at a 40, uh, if you were younger than 40 years old. And so he's telling Timothy here to, uh, to mind his behavior to mind his life, to be a pattern, to be very careful how he behaved in front of the church because the elder in that church would be watching him and watching his life. And for him as a young man to make the proper impact on that church, he had to be very careful. And he gives us six areas there in verse number 12 that we need to watch and that we need to make an impact with. And then he says, in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Those, six, those are six areas that we need to uh, mind in our life and be careful about in our life to make the proper impact upon this world. Paul, Paul in this book is addressing Timothy, and he's a, he's a young man, and uh, he has health problems. He has uh, he's a timid young man, and God has sent him to the, or Paul has sent him to this place to labor and to work and to preach and to help and to be the pastor of this church. And he tells him there, he says, I want you to make the proper impact, the proper mark in the life and the hearts and the, and the hearts and the lives of people make that mark. And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about that about being that example. In fact, if you turn back to chapter number 3, he gives, you, he gives us three areas that, that Timothy was to make a mark, an impact into, into people's lives. First of all, there is his public example. 
There was his public, though when you read uh, uh, you know, 1 through verse number uh, 7 or 8 there, that is the, we call that the qualifications of, uh, of being a pastor of a church. And uh, Brother Ward has just went through this area. But these were things that, that had to be in his life publicly. Publicly before the church, he had to be these qualifications that are there. But not only had a public example that he had to show before the church, but he had to, he had to, have, the example, he had to have the example in his home life. So he says he's to be the husband of one wife. And then he says that he is to, in verse number four, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Notice verse number five. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? So there was his public example in his qualifications. But then there was the example of his home. And by the way, your, your home life and the way a preacher conducts himself and, and the way he raises his family, the way he treats his wife, that's a window. It's like standing out there looking into this auditorium tonight with the lights on tonight. You can look and you can see. And I'm telling you tonight, a man's home life is seen by the way he treats his wife and his family. Amen. Can I say this? I have, seen, I have seen, Brother Stephen, I've seen a lot of men that could preach like angels. It sounded like men, I mean, it sounded like they could really uh, bring about a sermon and make an outline, but they treat their wives like a yard animal and treat their kids uh, like they're dirt. I'm telling you tonight, I'm telling you, it ought not be so. A man had to have a public example, but he had to have an example before his home. Amen. In fact, if you look at, if you look at, um, uh, if you look in verse number four, he says, one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection. With all the word subjection, it carries two basic meanings. One, it means to obey by force. When, you're, when your children are little and you, uh, you teach them, uh, you know, you teach them no, and you teach them, uh, that's the first word they learn is no, right? Don't you touch that, why not? Nope. <laughs> And uh, so, so that's what the word means. But it also means to teach them by example. So the, go, the, goal of a, the, the goal of a pastor is the same goal that a parent has. You walk up there to that baby uh, delivery room, you look in that mirror at, the, at that newborn baby, and, and uh, you're not, uh, you're not uh, concerned with just today and tomorrow, but you're looking 20 years down the road, you're looking, well, how am I going to feed him? How am I going to clothe him? How am I going to educate him? How am I going to get him to God? I want them to grow up and be a productive citizen of our country. And if you're a Christian tonight, you want to see them saved and living for God and obeying God in their life. So your vision as a parent is long-term. The vision of a pastor and the, vis the vision of a pastor is long-term as that of a father. So that's your, growth. that's your goal. Your goal is not to just get in that child's head, but get into their heart, amen? I had to force them to obey me when they were little, but when they got up and got saved, they, believed, they behaved and lived for God because it was in their heart, amen? And that's what God wants. God wants in mind in your heart, don't he? Amen. 
Amen. So we see his public example. We see his, his, uh, his uh, personal example to his family. But then in verse number 12, what we're seeing in chapter 4, verse number 12, we're seeing the example that comes from his heart. Amen. So it ought to be public. It ought to be in our home. But it ought to be in our heart. In our heart. Well, how, how do I get it there? How do I get it there? And so, uh, so as he names these things here, we see in this list these things. We see these things that he is to be concerned about that are in his heart. Can I tell you tonight? It's he, you ever been by a graveyard? One of them graveyards that uh, that uh, the the tombstones are flat. You ever been by one of them? Riding down the road, and you look oh man, you say, "What pretty flowers!" But if, you got out, but if you stopped and looked at those flowers, you'd discover they're artificial. They're not real. And a lot of times we look at people's lives like passing by in an automobile and find out that they're not, they're not real. But for our lives to be real and effective and to make the proper impact in people's lives, it has to come from our heart. It has to come from our heart. And so it's important. So, uh, so let me ask you this question tonight. Do you want to make an impact on those that you love? I would, I would ask you this. All of us have people that we love that are not saved. All of us have acquaintance that we care something about that don't know the Lord and their life's a mess. They're in sin. They don't go to church. They have apparently no desire or no, there's no, uh, there, there's no pattern. There's nothing there that indicates that they want God at all in their life. How are we going to make an impact? How, how are we going to put that den into their life? And this text is going to tell us about that. So, uh, <clears throat> so I want to give you the, these following principles that we can apply in our family and in the church and in our lives that will make an impact on the world. Number one, let me say this. By, the first thing to make an impact on this world is by uh, increasing our spiritual life. Increasing our spiritual life. Now, a person that's not saved doesn't have the Spirit of God. So, and because of that, they don't have a spiritual life. They don't know the Lord. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Let me ask y'all this question. Anybody in here tonight dead? If you're dead, raise your hand. <laughs> you know you're alive, right? Nobody else has to tell you you're alive. You know you're alive. Well, when God saves a person, He comes into your heart, and you know that you're saved because... You have a spiritual life with God. Amen. You know what changes it? You know what changes in your life? The first thing you, you discover, man, I've, I've got peace. <laughs> I've got peace. Man, all that stuff I did way back under, don't bother me no more. I have got peace. It has been settled. Thank the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I got joy. I got love. You know, that is signs of life in, you, in spiritual life. And so those that have spiritual life. So, but that spiritual life ought to increase. It ought to increase. It ought to grow. It ought to get better and stronger and be, uh, bigger and deeper and go further, further and further in our life. 
So what you discover is now you love God. Now you love the church. Now because you're alive in Christ, you love sinners that are out there in the world. Amen. I'm going to tell you, God will, change, God will change how you feel toward people. Back years ago, I had an old boy who was in the clan and got saved. And the next thing I knew, he's coming to church shedding tears, going to the altar, praying for black folk tonight. Amen. His daddy had bombed some people in Birmingham over there there in the civil rights movement. But his daddy got saved. His mama got saved. His brother got saved. His uh, his brother and uh, his sister-in-law got saved. His whole family, their life was changed because God came in the heart. And when God came in the heart, it changed the things they loved. Amen. Amen. I'm going to tell you, God will change you. Amen. And what he does, you find that he changes your heart. There's some people raised up in church that, uh, you, know, they, you know, they dress right, they look right, they don't go to the wrong places, they don't drink, do drugs and gamble, none of those things, but they're still changed in their heart, amen. Amen. Oh, thank God. You and I were lost without God, but God came into my heart, into your heart, and give us the life of God. And, and if you're saved, you've got the life of God dwelling inside of you and that life ought to increase our spiritual life ought to increase look in verse 13 verse number 14 he says who was before uh, I'm getting right chapter here verse 13 he says till I come give attendance to reading to exhortation to doctrine do you know what that that is the outline of how to preach right there so what you do he uses those three three words reading is reading and then, um, uh, then the word exhortation is it's explaining. The word doctrine is application. That's what preaching is. Reading, understanding, application. And that's how you preach. And I'm telling you tonight, so those things will increase our spiritual life. Galatians chapter number 6, the Bible says, uh, if, a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such a one. Do you reckon everybody in a, in, a, in a church is spiritual? What is being spiritual? Is spiritual running across the pews and shouting and rejoicing? No, that, 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 uh, that, that can be, I guess, but that can be emotion. It can be emotionalism tonight, right? Yes. Being spiritual is being filled with God. Having your life, and when you're saved, you're a spiritual individual now. Amen. Paul said in the book of Corinthians to the Corinthian church, he said, he said, I, he said, uh, he said, I would uh, fed you with uh, with uh, with meat and not with milk, but you are carnal and you cannot now receive it. And in that uh, uh, part of Corinthians, he exa- he uh, he exposes three parts of man. The natural man is the unsaved man. And the spiritual man is the man that's saved, but the carnal man is the man that's saved, but he's living like a lost man. And so we have people in our day that say they're saved, and they could be saved, but yet they're living like the world lives. So being spiritual. Who is a spiritual person? And he said, Ye that are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, uh, lest thou also be tempted. So we need an increase in our spiritual life to make the proper impact in, in this world. Let me ask you this. Do you have a spiritual life? Do you really have? Now, I'm not asking if you made a confession. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. 
I'm not asking if you join the church. I'm not asking if you come every week or not. I'm just simply asking this question. Do you have a spiritual life? Are you alive with God? Have you been regenerated by the Spirit of God? Have you been born again? Are you saved by the grace of God? And if you are, you are alive in Christ Jesus. Amen. So if we increase our spiritual life, we'll make an impact on other people. How many people do you know that's lost without God? How many people, has it ever occurred to you to witness those people? Has it ever passed by your mind? Are they saved or are they lost, that person you work with? Has it ever run across your heart that maybe I should witness to them? Maybe I should just tell them how the Lord saved me. Maybe I should just tell them what God has done for me. If you want to make an impact on somebody's life, increase your spiritual life. Amen. Then let me say this, uh, by surrendering your life to the Lord, look in verse number 15. In verse number 15, this is talking to young Timothy, but he says this, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. See that? So we're to increase spiritually, but we're to surrender our lives to God. Amen. Give yourself wholly to them. If you really want to make an impact on this world, give your life to Christ. Amen. Give your life to God. Give your life to His will for your life. Amen. Just say, God, here I am. I'm surrendering everything in my life. God, I'm running up the white flag. I'm giving it up tonight. I'm not going to live by my will and my desires and my determination anymore. I'm saying, God, here's my life. Make me an impact on somebody. Amen. You Sunday school teachers, you got that opportunity every Sunday morning. The bus drivers make that impact every time they pull up in a little trailer park and pick up some little young and that mom and daddy don't care nothing about, but they come to a church where somebody loves on them and cares for them, and they're making that impact in their life. You, you may be the only person that ever tells that child that Jesus loves them. You may be the only person that, that ever hear, that, that, that ever says to them that you love them and that God loves them and that they can be something in his life. How many young people grow up in homes and, and all they hear is hate you and, and I wish I never had you and, and man, I, I just get out of my hair. When's that church coming by? So you'll get out of my way tonight. Listen, friend, we'll come by and pick them up, amen. We'll tell them that we love them. You know why? Because it's our heart's desire to make a mark in, the, in those little hearts and those lives, amen. Amen. Chad and Brad, that runs across my mind. Y'all know that story. Amen. Brother Wilbur, you taught him in Sunday school, did you not? Amen. Preacher, let him have places out here to sleep. Y'all remember that? <laughs> and God made an impact in their heart and in their life. That lasting impression, that, that, last, that mark that was so deep they could never forget. If, when you, if you got parents that live for God and brought you to church, 
that don't, you know, and done those things for you tonight, and they made that impact, they made that mark that you'll never forget until your dying day in this world tonight. Amen. It's because a mom and dad says, I'm going to surrender to the will of God, and I'm going to be faithful to the house of God. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you know what, you know where you were? You were in the house of God because daddy and mama was making an impact in your life, making a mark you couldn't get away from. I'm glad tonight that God has got people tonight that are willing to give their life and surrender their life because they love the Lord Jesus tonight and love others. Amen. How do we do it? How do we, how do we impact this world? by our spiritual life, by surrendering our life to the Lord. Then let me say this, that we make an impact on this world by dedicated service for the Lord. Look in verse number 16. Verse number 16 says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continuing them, for in doing this thou shalt save both thyself and them that hear thee. That's service, amen. Talking about service. <clears throat> Just... You ought to serve God because, number one, you love Him and you want to be obedient to Him, amen? You take your talents, that God, oh man, what talent we got in this church, right? <clears throat> All you folks that can sing, I don't tell you, that's amazing to me. <laughs> Write songs and other churches sing y'all songs and... I mean, you think about the impact that this church has made on other churches all across this country just through the music department of this church. And you think about how God has impacted your life. But it comes when we dedicate our service to God. God, here I am. I'm going to serve you. Whatever capacity you give me, I'm going to serve. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Amen. Amen. Whether it's cutting grass or vacuuming the floor or doing the bulletin or doing uh, this electronical stuff and what Brother King's doing up yonder tonight. If you just come and sit in the pew like I do tonight, just serve God where He puts you. Amen. Serve God with what He gives you. You know, because I can't sing, don't mean I don't sing. Amen. I sing. When, when, the, when we're singing and they got these words back up here, I'm singing. Amen. It don't sound like yours. It's not pretty like yours. It's not got harmony like, but you know what? Tonight, I can feel those words because I was a sinner saved by the grace of God on my way to hell tonight. And the least I can do is make a joyful noise to the Lord. Amen. Make an impact on someone's life. Dedicate your service to Him. Say, God, I'm doing this for you. I'm not doing, I'm not doing it for show. And I'm not putting for dough, amen. I'm doing it for the grace of God and the goodness of the Lord. Amen. Make an impact, a lasting impact. Then we say this, the fourth, and let me are you dedicated to impact others in your life? Can you, can you look at young people and say, they're worth it? <laughs> can you look at that little snotty-nosed boy and say, He's worth it. <laughs> Those little kids that are so misbehaved, they can't even sit still in church <laughs> and say they're worth it. 
Can I tell you they are? We just put together all these shoe boxes, right? And well, Brother uh, Southpaw's wife did all that thing. She told me they had over 1,300 of those. Ain't that something? Those little boxes are going to go somewhere, and that little box is going to make an impact on some little kids going to open it. There's going to be toys and gifts and, and whatnots in there, my mother would say. And that little kid's going to think, there's someone that cares. And it's because somebody was willing to dedicate their service to God. Amen. Now let me say the, give you the fourth thing, and I'm through. <clears throat> Not only by, um, by increasing our spiritual life and by surrendering our life to the Lord and by dedicating our service to God, but number four, we can make an impact on the world by suffering. I know that seems odd, but one of the greatest impacts that can be made in the life of people that you love is to suffer for them, to sacrifice for them. When our kids were little and they're all at home, uh, you know, we, we never had a whole lot of stuff. But I can remember times when Darlene would get up from the table because we didn't have enough to eat. I mean, we always eat. We always had food, but there was time when there wasn't enough, and she would let her kids eat. You know what she was doing? She was making a sacrifice and even suffering a little bit for her children. If your child had some kind of rare cancer tonight and they said to you, give me your kidney and they can live. You know what, Mom and Daddy, you would, you would, you would jump up on the operating bed and say, hey, hey, go ahead, right? Because that's your child, and you love them, and you're going to impact their life and their health by suffering for them. Timothy's, think about the impact that Timothy's mom and grandmother had. What does the Bible tell us about that? That the faith, he said this to Timothy, Paul did. He said, the faith that was in thee was first in your mother and in your grandmother. That mother and that daddy made an impact in that boy's life. How about Paul suffered for Christ? And Paul said these words to Timothy. He said, he said you know what, I, you know, I was shipwrecked and you have known my doctrine You've known my manner of life. You know the purpose of my life. You've seen me go through all these things. And everything that young Timothy's seen Paul suffer at the hands of people that hated God impacted his life. It impacted him so for God. You know what, you know what Paul said about Timothy in the book of Philippians? He said, you know what, I'm going to send Timothy there to you. You know why? Because I have no one else that will care for you like I, like I do. Yes. So, he suffered for him. Paul suffered for, Paul suffering for Christ. Jesus suffered for you and for me and made an impact in mine and your life. He went all the way to Calvary knowing that we were sinners, that we were wicked, that we were like, anybody here don't deserve to go to hell? Every one of us ought to be in hell, right? Every one of us have done enough, had enough evil thoughts, we ought to be in hell. 
But Jesus went to Calvary knowing me and you. He went to Calvary and, and laid himself down to, uh, to those that would plow his back and beat him to a pulp. You know why? Because he is willing to suffer that you and I could be saved by the grace of God. He came in an unfriendly world that hated him, that the devil tried to kill him even at his birth when he was born in, the, in Bethlehem over there. The king tried to kill him. All his life they sought after to destroy him and kill him. But yet he was God of gods. He wouldn't, let, he, 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 he wouldn't let him take his life because he was on his way to Calvary to pay for mine and your sin that you and I could be saved by the grace of God. And he died for the drunkard and he died for the holler harlot and he died for those in prison tonight and in the jailhouse. He died for those uh, living in a back alley somewhere with a needle stuck up their arm tonight, eating out of a trash can. He died for those little kids living in a dirty, filthy house where bugs are everywhere. He died for every liar, every cheater, every murderer, every scumbag in the world. God died for them and he is willing to suffer that every one of us could be saved. <laughs> and he made an impact. April 2010, God came through this place. <laughs> Amen. Wherever you got saved at, God came to where you were at. And he said, he said, he said you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it. I suffered to, that you might be saved, that you could be born in my family. Now, I want you to turn with me, and I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing. But I want you to turn with me to the book of uh, Philippians just for a moment. And I want, I, want, I want you to see this principle in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians here, the book of Philippians. I want you to see this. Paul, Paul impacted this church. Paul is in a Philippian jail. Look in chapter number one. Look in verse number one. Here's what he's saying in jail. Now, I think I might be complaining a little bit if I were in jail. I had a cousin one time got in jail, and the only thing they fed him back then was cornbread and buttermilk. Can you imagine that? <laughs> well, I don't think I'd like that. <laughs> Look in verse number three. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, and for you, and for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. What an impact in this letter that he sends back to the Philippian jail. Here's their man of God telling them that he is praying for them. He's not complaining. He's not grumbling. He's not griping like I do. But he writes back and he's, he, and a jail back then wasn't like our jails, were they? They were really bad. But here's the man of God making an impact on a church. Look in, uh, look in chapter 4 with me there. Look in chapter 4, verse 21. 
salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. Notice verse 22. And all the saints salute you. Listen to this now. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. While he was in jail, God put people in his path that got saved out of Caesar's household. He had to suffer. He had to be beat. He had to be put in jail. Because there was somebody in Caesar's household that God wanted to redeem and save. Who's in your pathway? Who's in your life that God wants to touch? Who are the people you can impact in, in your life, in their life? So he looked there. Can you imagine that he had to suffer to reach these people that were in Caesar's house? Paul had to suffer to reach the Philippian jailer. Remember that story, Acts 16? Sometimes God puts us in places we don't like that are uncomfortable so he can use our lives to reach other people, to be that impact in their life. He does. Suffering is not pleasant, is it? No. But sometimes it takes me to suffer, to put me in the right arena with some of the right. And when you go through your life and the things that you have suffered in your past or maybe even what you're going through right now, God's got a reason that you're at where you're at. And he wants to use your life to impact someone out there. Yes. So I want to say to him tonight, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I give up being in control of me. God, you can have it. Where I work, what I do, where I go, the difficulties I have, God, it's all yours. There's people that need you. There's people that need you. There's people you can win to God and make that mark in their life. While we stand together, sister, if you want to come, Daniel, if you want to come, I'm going to stop right there. Making an impact in this world.